Recorded live. Rainosaur presents the Weekday Warriors of And hello, everybody, and welcome to the Weekday Wars of Wrestling. We are back for the first time in two weeks, uh, May 3rd, 2017. I'm Eric Clancy, joining, as always, with um, Mr. Patrick Kelly. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, let's get started, man. I'm looking forward to talking about some wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Payback was on Sunday, and Raw mm-hmm. was on Monday, and SmackDown was on Tuesday. You know, like they normally are. Um 17 hours of content. Exactly. So, um, I, with with the exception of what everyone had as their exception, I think, I um, really enjoyed Payback. Um, I wouldn't say I really, really enjoyed it. I was kind of... I didn't, Patrick. Like, I said I really enjoyed it. Not really, really. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, I... I was kind of okay with it, except for that one big exception that we're going to talk about. I was like, okay, it was not the greatest show ever, but it was kind of like, it was solid throughout, except for a major dip. (laughs) So let's just go in. Let's just go into the House of Horrors match. I hated this for, like, first of all, I don't want to act like we're um, saying things people haven't said before, because this is the most obvious eye-rolling moment on the show, but Mm -hmm. this match doesn't work on any level um like and keep in mind this is coming from two people that like lucha underground and i i think you like the final deletion and all that weird stuff too right yeah i mean like like because that's like so bad it's good type of stuff and Mm -hmm. i mean they they weren't going for that here this was supposed to be spooky um (laughs) and i like that kind of stuff too if you do it correctly like i like the undertaker Shawn michaels stuff i like undertaker Mm -hmm. and Kane. i like a lot of that stuff, but so, oh my God, where to begin? Um, the, the first thing that I knew was like where we, we had an issue was when there were like 18 camera angles and it's like, yeah. Oh, look, Randy Orton breaks into the house, but don't you worry because hold on one second. Um, uh, don't you worry because there's a cameraman already in there with his um, with his uh, uh, recorder. So it, it, it just like kind of stuff like that takes you out of it. If, if um, uh, Mick Foley writes in his first book that one of the things that that killed his halftime heat mat w- match with The Rock was the camera angle, the the bird's eye view camera mm-hmm. angle pointing down over Rock when he lowered the fork lift. Like, everybody was into that match that he was watching him with, like, even hitting with popcorn and stuff. Like, they were, like, into it and stuff. But once that happened, that took him right out of it. And this stuff would, like, I, I mean, it, it's like a child's approximation of what, what a horror movie should be like. And yeah. it didn't Actually, work. Well, and- while I was watching it, I was really reminded of, like, the intro to Are You Afraid of the Dark, but, like, a really shitty version of it. It was It was not very well shot, and that kind of shocks me for – WWE who touts themselves as having really great production values. Yeah. Well, you know, I thought, and NXT is starting to do this, and it's, I, I think it really works well. 
NXT is starting to do backstage segments on like, uh, like on cell phones and stuff. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> so there was a rash of found footage movies in the early two, early and late 2000s that were fairly popular. And TV shows also that are kind of done in a documentary style or a reality show like The Office. Like a lot of shows do that style. The reason is that's how we consume a lot of media. We consume a lot of cell phone videos. We watch a lot of reality shows. So things that are aping that style, so to speak, are easy for, easier for us to digest. NXT is doing that with some of its videos. And they have a way for it to make contextual sense like, oh, we're, we're back here, and then something happens, and we catch it on camera. And that adds a lot of weight, and um, I, I think it's an interesting tactic to use. They could have done something like this here. Instead, it was this over – it's like everything WWE does. It's overproduced. It's like, you know – and for those of for those of you who, who point to the backlot brawl, I mean, to my, to my knowledge, the backlot brawl had – one cameraman or two, but it, it was... Are, are you talking about the Piper Gold Dust match? Yes, yes. I, I'm pretty sure that was just one, maybe two cameras. Yeah, and it didn't last that long, you know? And the the, no. the Boiler Room Brawl, another one. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, for the most part, yeah, you had some different cameramen, but they didn't act like they weren't there. They were going in with Undertaker to film it. They were, um, you got different cuts because they were showing the thing. This is like in the house and then they have dudes in there and they're, it's like, it just did not work in any semblance of, <clears throat> of reality. Um, on top of the fact that it like, wasn't scary. It's like, he's like, Oh, they're dolls. And then, Oh, I'm sorry. And then the worst part, they have, these, they have music and sound effect. They have non-diegetic music. So they have music that is not occurring that Randy Orton can hear. It. Just the viewers can hear it. So it's like, come on, man. Like it, it's just, so bad on every level. And then and then Bray Wyatt takes his, his um, limo back. And I, I was for sure thought, I'm like, okay, my dad said, my, I was actually over at my parents' house. My, my fiance and I were, were trying out caterers for our wedding. And um, so my dad was able to watch wrestling for the first time in a long time. And he's like, oh, Orton's going to be driving the limo. And I was like, yeah. I think or a maybe, lot of us thought that. Yeah, and I was like, okay, or maybe he'll have jumped into the trunk. But nope. Nothing. They didn't explain anything. He just is magically there, and that's it. And it's like, you teleported, and the teleporting guy couldn't teleport. And then, on top of that, like, like, and so now we go away from bad production to just bad booking. So, like, they're trying, I guess, to make Bray Wyatt a big deal. So, once again, he win- He gets his ass kicked. He wins when fucking Jinder Mahal and his friends show up. And then he beats Orton that way. It's just like, I cannot take anything about this character seriously. I cannot. All he does is says spooky things, and then he gets his ass kicked, and then that's it. And then he says spooky things again, and then he gets beat up. It's like, like, can you imagine? And again, as you pointed out, what Vince's idea of what spooky is is really not that spooky at all. So yeah, yeah, they really failed the Bray Wyatt character in a lot of ways. And they've been failing him for years, and we all know it's everybody's favorite talking point. Like the potential was always there, but the 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 booking for him not not the writing, but the booking has always been terrible. It's like if Undertaker came out and was like, "I'm going to bury you. I'll put you in the ground," and then he got his ass kicked by Mabel. Would anyone care about the Undertaker? No. Well, his first year he was working with Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan, and fucking 
kicking their asses. Yeah, he beat. He went over Roberts. He went over Kamala. He went like these are obviously, you know, two years later. But he went over dudes like he was protected. And <clears throat> I mean, you see when characters are protected, what they can become. Oh, look um, at Strowman now. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like so. He's like the MVP of Raw right now. Yeah, yeah. So so this was just. I mean, do do we even? Is there anything else to go into about this? I mean, it was just so bad, and everybody knows it's bad. So this isn't like you know a, a revelation, but it, it was just so bad. It was really bad, and it makes me wonder what the hell was in those surveys that the WWE sent out. That that's the final result. It's like, wow, really? Okay. And that, the other thing about it, okay, it wasn't scary. It was produced wrong. It was boring. Was that the only one that was like, this is so boring? Like at least you know you look at the broken Matt Hardy stuff or anything in Lucha Underground. That stuff is so over the top that it's at least visually interesting or it's so crazy that it's memorable. This was just blah. It was just a regular bare bones brawl inside of a very tight space inside of a house. Yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't good. It wasn't good in any sense of the imagine in any sense of the word. No. Um, so a thing I did like about this show and one, two, three, four, about like, I mean, I honestly, almost every match, in my opinion, had logical, interesting, thought-provoking booking. Um, yeah. So in the opening match, um, which was much better than the WrestleMania match, um, Jericho and Owens wrestled, and they did some callbacks to their, their WrestleMania spot where Owens got his finger on the ropes. So then Jericho destroys his hand, which then... <laughs> it makes it so Owens cannot hit the pop-up powerbomb and then he can't get his hand and his finger up to get out of the walls of Jericho and Jericho wins the U S title. So this was shocking and not in like a bad, like, Oh, they just did this. It was like really good. And the match made fucking sense. It had a beginning, a middle and an end. So many times when I watch these, when I watch matches and they're like, like, I feel like everybody watched things Arn Anderson did. And then, just, but just the first half, they're like, I'm going to work on the arm. And then the finish has nothing to do with the arm. Or there's there's no, like, like the guy's like, I'm going to work the arm. And then his finisher's like, I don't know, like uh, a leg submission Like a DDT or something. Or something. Yeah, or a DDT or I don't know, something like that. And it's like, well, what did you do that for? Like, so you can work the arm? Like, like I can understand the guy's finisher, the guy utilizes his arm for a finisher. But if you're just randomly doing it, so you can be like, I'm telling a story. The story is I'm punching his arm, you know, like I don't care. But this was, and a lot of the matches here had a beginning, a middle and an end. And it was like, it paid, it paid off for, for you paying attention. So I thought that that was great. Yeah. And I like that too. Um, One of the problems that I've noticed with rematches is that typically they'll just have the same match that they had before. So I was kind of expecting that here. I was expecting Jericho and Owens to pretty much just have the same match that they had at WrestleMania. But as you pointed out, no, they didn't. They actually developed and with some callbacks to the Mania match and then just kind of moved the story forward. So I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's basically like, if that, then what? So if Owens is going to, to reach the ropes when I get him in the wall to Jericho, I need to make it so he can't reach the ropes. Like, everybody should be learning from each other as opposed to just, like, resetting their information every time a new match starts, you know? Like, there should, well, I mean, they should that's always... that's Cena logic, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's go to the next match. We have the Cruiserweight Championship match, Aries versus Neville. I thought this was another good one with more smart booking. 
Um, mm-hmm. So Aaron, I like Aaron, the finish. Yeah, I love the finish. I know people are like, like fucking. No DQs ever. Oh, you never have a DQ or a countout, or I'll be really upset about everything. But it's like you've got to understand if these are supposed to be living, breathing characters. If you're playing, if you are playing a video game, because that's the best analogy. If you're playing a video game, somebody's beating the crap out of you, and you're the champion in the video game, and you are guaranteed to lose your title. You will do anything to keep it. So get yourself DQ'd. Do whatever you can. And Neville as a character, he's a guy who can pretty much beat the entire division with his Rings of Saturn finish. If he has to bust out his Red Arrow, he can and he'll win with that. He doesn't like to. But we got past that. We got past um, the Red Arrow. We got past the Rings of Saturn. Now we're at the point where, oh, Ares has pretty much figured him out. And Neville has... Um, Neville is one last trick up his sleeve and it's getting himself disqualified which is kind of like the next step after raking his eyes in the previous match so I like the idea especially if they go into extreme rules it's like you can't get DQ'd I love Patrick maybe it's the old school guy in me but I love it when the when they have um, uh, when no stipulation that actually like- factors into the feud yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I hate situations like, what was that fucking match they did at TLC? It was like Christian and Shelton in a ladder match for no reason. They just did it because, oh, those guys are good with ladders, so it'll be fine. But what, it, about the, you know, what about the stairs match where people just randomly start attacking each other with stairs because TLC's coming up and they said, tables and ladders and chairs and stairs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's I, I hate that when they just force a stipulation onto a match for, just for the sake of it. It should feel like a natural progression of the feud and the story at hand. And I feel like Neville and Aries, they've earned, based on their, the story that they've been telling, that they've earned a no-DQ match of some kind. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> then we had the Hardy Boys taking on Sheamus and Cesaro, and they won. Okay, did you think the, did you think the post-match was going to lead to them becoming the Broken Hardys? Yes, I did. Yeah, I think a lot of us did. I was like, I think they're gonna. I think they're going to break when because apparently WWE is working to get the gimmick. I think when they lose the titles, that's when they'll be broken. Um, Okay. uh, And I love the post match attack. I thought it was uh, brutal, and I I like the I like the progression from Sheamus and Cesaro from guys who hate each other to guys who kind of get along to guys who get along but are total assholes. And like you know, the next night on Raw, they made some good points. Like all these people are living in the past. When the future's right there, they've got these two ripped, strong, awesome, tough guys, and they're cheering these fat old guys from like 17 years ago. So I thought that was great. It was great motivation. Uh, the attack was fantastic. Um, and I think Sheamus and Cesaro as a heel team really liven up the division and, and can can lengthen that, that uh, feud with the Hardys and, and perhaps make it something special, get us to where we want to go, which is the broken Hardys, and, and take it from there. Well, anything that could help break up the monotony of, A, having Team Extreme back in 2017 where they really shouldn't be playing Team Extreme, or breaking up, like, the monotony of, like, that fucking Enzo and Cass versus the club never-ending series of matches. Anything they can do to kind of liven up the tag division and fix those things, I'm all for it. So, yes, Zaro and Sheamus, this might be the best thing that Sheamus has ever been a part of. I agree. I think you're right, yeah. Um, well, that and Bebop and Rocksteady, but that's outside of wrestling. That's another thing, yeah. Um, all right, so the next match, which I thought had some great booking, was Alexa Bliss and Bailey. Another one where I was surprised. I thought Bailey was probably going to go over. Um, Bliss um, did some interesting things where she 
she smashed her head on, on the middle turnbuckle, and then later she she threw her head in the post and finished with a DDT, a DDT that is not her finisher, but but took advantage of the previous things that happened to Bailey in the match and won it for her. What a novel concept. What a refreshing idea to have in 2017. I, I was just so so happy that they did something like this, where it, like, but, I but, felt but, like... But, but that's not her finisher. I, I wanted to see her finisher, Eric. They have to do the same exact moves every single time. See, the problem... Otherwise, I lose my mind. Yeah. The problem with, um, like, uh, I would say, and, and you know what, R- Raw in its, in its infancy did this, ECW did this, Ring of Honor does this. T- I mean, most modern wrestling does this. It's, a bunch of high spots and then you go into the finish and it's like, okay, here we go. But it, you don't even need to really watch all the high spots in the middle. I mean, you'd be like, Oh, that's athletically cool, but it doesn't really matter in terms of the athletic competition. Like it doesn't matter if somebody had their shoulder smashed on the ground. Like it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't lead into anything. Like it's not like, like if you're watching a football game and you're like, Oh my gosh, the the Patriots have been running the ball so much on the Steelers, and the Steelers are are now committing to the run, which has opened up the path. Like that stuff doesn't happen in wrestling. They just do a bunch of stuff in the middle that you can skip. So the idea that this had things that made sense and led to a finisher and led to the end of the match, just like the earlier stuff did with Jericho and Owens, was like a, like it was just like a, a breath of fresh air that that they they booked it like a wrestling match from 1983 which isn't always the worst thing. Well no, it's one of those things and I think Cornette has talked about this. Um I would love to have like modern day wrestling adopt kind of the the logic and the mindset of the 80s not necessarily in terms of the type of characters they present or like you know stereotypes or anything like that but the logic that went into the matches yeah, I'd love to have that in modern day wrestling. It'd be great. And whenever they do do it it's it, like you said it's great. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it adds so much to it, and it makes it – it is what's missing. I mean, when you're younger, you're like, I just want all this cool stuff. And then you, like, kind of see, and you're like, well, is there a reason I'm glazed over for all these matches? I mean, I'm watching some old Mid-South stuff, and, like, you know, like, some of these – I mean, you know, some of the matches are boring as shit, but some of these matches are really interesting, and, like, the the biggest high spots are, like, a drop kick and maybe, like, and then the figure four or something, you know? But it's, like, it's built around the athletic competition, and when you're, like, doing all this crazy shit, which is fine, I'm, like, I mean, I'm a Lucha Underground fan, so I can't, like, complain too much, but when you're doing all this stuff, it's just, like, what does it mean, you know? Is, is there any, like, it's just, like, fun to watch, but then it doesn't, like, stay with you. You don't really engage in, in the matches as you might have. So, you know, well, it's, the, it's the same thing with action movies. I mean, it's the same, you know, what's the difference between Michael Bay movies and something like a classic, a true classic like Die Hard? The difference is, is that in Die Hard, everything matters, where in Michael Bay movies, it's just mindless explosions where Nothing everybody matters. survives unscathed. So, yeah, yeah. All right, so we talked about the House of Horrors match. We um, m- let's move into Seth Rollins versus Samoa Joe. Which I felt I so bad for those guys that they had to follow that piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, I, I I felt the same way. I don't know if it was like the House of Horrors match was so bad, but this was just like flat and lifeless for me. Yeah, I again, I don't know how much the House of Horrors played into that. I heard the crowd, and you couldn't really hear it while watching the match itself, but I heard the crowd was 
very negative towards the the House of Horrors match. So I don't know if that kind of like had a lasting impact on this match because they were flat for this match. But I don't know. It just something about it just didn't click. Maybe. I mean, the main event didn't seem to suffer from it because it was awesome. Um, oh, man, Roman that was exactly, dude, that was a match they should have had two months ago. It was fucking I great. know, it's just, it's amazing that they're able to do this stuff when they, like, try. Like, Strowman just beats the crap out of Roman Reigns, and, you know, Roman Reigns, like, puts up a valiant effort, but I like the fact that Roman Reigns, like, did not beat Braun Strowman. He just lost clean, and, and it's like, yeah, the dude, his ribs are destroyed. How would he, how could he possibly win? And, you know, we can do, like, an ambulance match eventually, but it's just, like, I don't think less of Roman Reigns the character when he does that. I think less of Roman Reigns the character when he does overcome that because it's fucking insane. So this was, this was like, good stuff. And he was, like, coughing up blood. You know, like, he, he did that sick, like, smash on the steps. Um, and, uh, you know, Roman Reigns got some, some attacks back at, uh, backstage, but... I mean, overall, it was fine. Strowman went over clean. Um, I thought it was good. It was just a good, like, Hoss fight. Um, Strowman continues to be, like, a, a freaking superstar. And, it, like, it's amazing. Like, if you protect a guy and you book a guy correctly, you don't rush him along, you're like, oh, cool. Wow, you can get a dude over, you know? Yeah, this match actually kind of reminded me of, not in terms of, like, this match was a lot more high impact, but it kind of reminded me of the Kane-Undertaker-Austin triple threat match from Breakdown, I think it was, where Austin was put into a hopeless situation, and he lost. We need more matches like that. Which was, like, the last, no- which was the last time that that pretty much ever happened in a WWE ring. Oh, yeah, yeah, because any other babyface would be like, oh, he's Mega Man, and he can just come in and just kill everybody, but... It was like, no, they put Austin in a situation where there's no possible way he can win, except for this glimmer of hope that Taker and Kane are going to fight each other for the belt. But there was, yeah, he was, he was in a hopeless situation, and he lost. And it's the same thing here. It's like there's no way. I was sitting there expecting Reigns to go over. I'm like, are they really going to have a half-mummified Roman Reigns go over Braun Strowman? Are they really going to? Oh, oh, no, they didn't. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's no, the logical it... thing. It was good. It was good. Um, which leads us in a raw, um, in which there was no um, there was no Roman Reigns, and there was no um, uh, there was no Braun Strowman, which I thought was great. Yeah. Uh, well, what have we talked about ever since they went to three hours? You don't need to have everybody on the show, but they feel like they have to because they they've just got so much time to fill. But sometimes you can just let stuff kind of breathe. You don't have to force the next part of the story into every single episode. Yeah. You can like keep the, um, yeah, exactly. Space it out a little bit because like, you know, I'm looking, you know, I'm still watching my like old raws and stuff and I'm in October 96, finally, uh, watching both nitro and raw. And this week, oh, have on, they introduced on, fake razor and fake diesel yet. Yeah. Like three weeks ago. <laughs> That was funny. Yeah, yes, it was. Um, but this week, the main event is like is Shawn Michaels in a non-title match against Steve Austin. I'm like, oh man, I'm so psyched for that. And it's amazing because, like, you know, when you get through like Vader and Henry Godwin or like the new Rockers versus someone, you're like, this sucks. But then you get an actual big match and you're like hyped as hell for it. So I'm like, oh yeah, give me this. So. Um, yeah, space shit out. You don't need to have every single guy 
on every show with like three segments apiece, you know? Yeah, and unfortunately, the only ones who benefit from that kind of booking are the part-timers. And it's really sad because if they realize, oh, hey, you know what? Seth Rollins just needs to be on the show every week. Or maybe we can just have Seth cut a promo. Or maybe, uh, like in the build-up to WrestleMania, it's like, you know what? Seth's off TV. We can just show footage of him rehabbing because that will actually help and service the story. Keep Seth on people's minds, but not actually just put him in the ring and have him do the same shit over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of Seth, did, do you find that segment super weird when they like he came out and he was like, I want a match against Lesnar, and then Balor's like, I want one, and then uh, Ambrose came, and then um, Ambrose came out, and then Miz came out, and then they're like, let's have a number one contender match for the Intercontinental Title. <laughs> yeah, the, the motivations of everybody kind of switched there. They just like pivoted really quick there, and I'm like, oh, okay, we're we're doing that now, okay. Well, if I think I can beat Lesnar, I'm pretty sure I can murder the guy that he murdered. So eh. yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, you know, Miz uh, Miz survives by being the only guy not in a feud with someone who isn't Dean Ambrose. <laughs> Funny how that works out. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think of Raw? Oh, it was kind of flat. I didn't see last week's show because I was watching the finale to Bates Motel, so I'm kind of, like, I'm a little behind on Raw, and this week's show, I don't know, it was kind of kind of flat. Main event was all right, but it was kind of, eh, it was just there. Yeah, I mean, the, we, we saw, once again, the writers and their love of making Dean Ambrose do bad comedy. Okay, if there's one thing that Dean Ambrose, see, I look at Dean Ambrose, and I see a guy that would have been great in, like, the Attitude Era or, like, in Lucha Underground where they would tap into that, oh, hey, he looks like a psychopath. Let's push him as a psychopath. But well, they're in, why do they want to make him funny? I don't get that. Well, I, I, you know, I think he can be funny. I think he does WWE comedy very well. There, what jumps out at me is when he poured uh, water on Seth Rollins' head during the Ice, buck ch- ice Bucket Challenge. And then Seth turned around and he said, what? It's for charity. And then he hit him, and it was like perfect comedic timing. And there are things that Ambrose can do that are very funny, but I think the writing team leans on that and they overdo it as opposed to understanding that, hey, maybe this stuff is not best for him in the long run. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think he can, but I don't know if that's the best role for him. I also think the writing team gets super lazy with that. Yeah. Oh, they. Whenever somebody does one thing right, they kind of just latch onto it and just do it forever. Like Fandango's dance getting over. Yeah. Or too cool. Or um, the any any other bit that they do and then just and don't pass right ground. now, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, well, you got to see Enzo Enzo and Cass this week interrupted before they could do that because. Luke Gallows took on Enzo Amore this week. How did you feel about that one, Patrick? Uh, I feel like I've seen this match a hundred times, so it left no impact on me. Um, we had uh, an eight-woman tag match. That just like, why can't they just announce these? Ma- like, I hate the idea. It's like a brawl's happening. Now we gotta happen have a tag match. Like, do they think it makes their show crazy and unpredictable, or does it make their show seem unorganized? Like they didn't have anything planned, and everyone's an idiot. That's part of the thing. Again, you mentioned it, the whole they're trying to give off the impression that their show is unpredictable, which was kind of their method of dealing with WCW back in the day. But 
guys, the war's over. You don't need to keep your opponents guessing. You can make a show that actually feels like it makes sense. I'm just saying. Or is a real show where they have to schedule people and there's like time and they're like, you have an interview time. You have interview time here, and as opposed to just things just happening because they happen, which is how the show is run pretty much now. Yeah, I remember you. Like you said, you're watching the old Raws and Nitros. Didn't they used to mention stuff like uh, we have something, something or other scheduled for this time, but this brawl took place and interrupted us, or they do that type of stuff? Yeah, Raw, uh, Nitro does it more than Raw. Raw still does it. Um. um I mean, when the NWO and stuff would attack, they would have like, and or different things would happen. They would have standby matches. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, I mean, Nitro does it more than Raw, but Raw still does it. Yeah, which is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Well, I mean, and, and that's... Well, here's the thing. Um, they do the brawl this week. Why not use the brawl to set up a match for, like, next week or two weeks or from now? Or two weeks, yeah, yeah. Which NXT does it, because NXT is essentially produced like Raw was in 1995. They film mm-hmm. four things at a time. They build over, you know, so that, that's that's why people generally like that better. Um, I mean, there's a, what I'm trying to think of things that Raw does that um, in 1996 that was uh, more like this. Um I don't know why well, this popped into my head, but the Austin Tillman gun incident, didn't that yes, cause yes. some, like, scheduling issues and stuff? Yeah, I mean, and, and they're doing that like a newscast. So they're like, we're going to cut away. See, that's the thing. And Nitro does this, and people hated it, but I don't think they understood what it was doing. Like, when they'd be like, oh, we're cutting away from Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio so we can see Hogan walking in the back because the NWO just arrived. I mean... I get your point. Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio is a great match, and we don't need to see Hogan walking. But the idea was that this stuff isn't scheduled, so it happens when it happens. So we're going to get it to you as best we can. But it may not be scheduled right after this match for a perfect amount of time, and then we fade out to commercial, you know? So so that's why that was there, to make it seem like a living, breathing show where things were happening at all different times, and we're going to keep you posted on it as opposed to, here, it's just a fucking show, and this is just happening. So the fans home happy. Yeah. Well, they run That's it more like SNL. <clears throat> they run it more like SNL, where you're supposed to, you're supposed to, when you see a backstage thing, that's the beginning of the skit, and then it ends. But you're not supposed to think about it in the context of how it, how it fits in everything else that's happened in the night, which is dangerous because it's not SNL. Like SNL is SNL, you know. So, it like. You, sh- in my opinion, <clears throat> what WWE wants to do. I mean, if they want to go full Lucha Underground, it's fine, but they don't. They don't go that far to do it. So they just have this weird in-between shit where they're not totally fantastic reality, but they're also not like like a realism-based company at the same time. You know, so so it's this weird shit in between, and it just looks. It, it just it never hits because of that. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. That's the problem. Like, Lucha Underground makes sense within the rules they've established for their own universe. WWE really either has too many rules or they have no rules at all. They just kind of do whatever they want. Yeah. Well, it's whatever satisfies a certain person's whims at the time, so. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So what else happened this week that was notable? 
Uh, we haven't really talked about it yet, but what do you think of Jinder Mahal becoming likely oh, to become yeah. WWE champion? Wait, you think he's going to win the title? I'm 50-50. I'm 50-50 sure. Because they've done this before. I mean, this is it's JBL all over again. Oh, I, I, I don't think he's winning the title. Um, what do I think? Um, I think it's weird because, like, from what I understand, they did not understand how the the Bray Wyatt to Raw thing was a last minute thing. Apparently, it was initially going to be AJ, like everybody uh, suspected, but instead they turned AJ face and then kept him on SmackDown. So now they have an issue because AJ and Randy was supposed to be the post WrestleMania program, but it can't be now. So they picked Jinder. So it's a it's a random thing, and it's like, oh, well, I guess we'll use this guy, and they're going to use him because. They want to tap into the um, the Indian market, which, you know, um, Jinder's Canadian, but he is of Sikh descent. So, um, you know, it works. Um, but you look at um, the, I mean, the guy was just losing to everybody constantly. Now he's be, he's beating Sami Zayn now, which is which is so weird to me, which is super fucking weird to me because. Sami Zayn was on hand. WWE recently announced that they're having a new uh, Arabic language show. Um, I, I cannot remember the name of it, but it'll be in um, in Middle Eastern countries. Uh, they'll have a Arabic commentary team, and Sami Zayn gave a speech because Sami Zayn is both a Muslim and he uh, speaks Arabic. He is, um, believe he's he's not he's not Serbian. He's um, I can't remember. Um, I don't want to speak out of turn, but so um, but then they have gender go over him so it's so weird because they're like we're focusing on th- this foreign market but not this foreign market you know so, i don't know it's just weird you know so um it's, but, i mean it's again i mentioned jbl it's kind of that same thing where it's like they took a low-level guy and then all of a sudden i'm supposed to buy him as a world title contender it's like well your story has no middle so yeah well okay. it, 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 to me it sucks because whatever i mean like i guess from a insider standpoint it's nice to be surprised but from a storyline standpoint it just made no sense but on top of that it sends an awful message because he he really he injured Finn Balor the the week before that happened and now he's the yeah. the, the number one contender and it's like I'm not saying you fire the guy but it's just like it feels weird safe. to push him after he injured one of your top guys yeah and it's just like that's kind of a, a reward for that so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it sets a bad precedent because then you're just like, oh, I can be stiff, I can be, I can, you know, I can do whatever I want, and maybe I'll get a push based on extenuating factors. So, you know, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, and apparently the match with uh, Orton, that pay-per-view is going to be in Chicago, which I, I, I can't imagine them being too kind to it. You know, my initial thought when I saw that was it's not going to happen. But um, because that because that's the way my mind always works and I'm always hoping, I thought Mahal was going to get, like, taken out and they're like, we need a replacement. And then it would be, like, CM Punk or something. But, <laughs> oh, um, then it would be the pop of the year without question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, hmm. uh, did you hear about Billy Corgan bought the NWA? I did hear that. That's... I was talking to a friend of mine about it, and he said it's kind of like when Nintendo bought the Marlins. It's like some 
you know, companies. Wait, in Japan Nintendo bought, bought the Marlins? Yeah, they own the Marlins. I didn't know that either, but apparently they do. You, uh, Nintendo America owns the the friggin' Marlins. I thought it was. I thought Derek Jeter was was trying to buy them. Trying to, but uh, apparently Nintendo is the current owners. That's what I. That's what he told me anyway. Let me look this up because I thought it was like a group of investors, but Jeffrey Loria owns the Marlins. Oh, that apparently my friend was wrong, and I don't know baseball owners. Yeah, to my knowledge. Um, or maybe I've just got the wrong team, but. Let's see. I'm going to go look at Nintendo's Wikipedia page here. See what they own. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to Google, does Nintendo own a baseball team? <laughs> Here we go. Came up with it. Oh, apparently they um, they owned the Mariners. The Mariners. Okay, that's where I fucked up. Okay, interesting. Um... What are we talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Billy Corgan, I guess, really wanted to buy a wrestling company. He's got the wrestling itch, apparently. I mean, it would be it'd be interesting to see if he does anything. I, I just can't imagine what you could do, you know, well, with, the, with the NWA. If you buy the NWA, pretty much all you're getting, cause, I mean, Vince owns all the library that means anything. Um, and he doesn't even get the library. No. He doesn't no, get really, any... Little... I guess he's just getting the name and the, the belts, right? I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. You'd have to, like... You'd have to, like, just have a bunch of top-tier independent promotions. But, I mean, all those ones are either affiliated with WWE or... I mean, I, I don't know if there's any... Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, like... Like what you could do with that thing, you know? Yeah, I, maybe maybe I, if you so, maybe if you somehow like got, I don't know, like if you got Impact, New Japan, uh, a major Mexican promotion, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, Ring of Honor, and you like did something that way, maybe you could do something. But I don't think that's likely. Basically, do what Global Force was supposed to be, but again, I I don't know how feasible that is. Yeah. Oh man, how does Jeff Jarrett have any money left? I don't know. Tricks a lot of people. Um, <laughs> all right. What else do we uh, do we have here? Uh, uh, Lucha Underground. We've talked about it a few times here. It's coming back May thirty first. Yes, it is coming back May thirty first. You said right? Uh, that yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That will be good. Um, hopefully, they see a little bit of a bump from the Netflix um, audience. I, I, oh yeah. I'm not getting my hey, hopes up. By the but... way, I love having it on Netflix. I've rewatched it uh, already, and it's it's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what else. I, I think I think that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, I think we're good. All right, cool. All oh, right, I also heard uh, you've been following up on New Japan. I heard that apparently Okada and Omega Two is pretty much set for Dominion. Is that correct? I I am I have not seen 
Dontaku yet. Um, mm-hmm. But from, I mean, from what I understood, the plan once Omega had signed um, was to eventually build up to that for July or June. I'm sorry. So, yes, I think that's essentially set. It's going to be that or like the Long Beach shows. Once again, um, this could have been set up at the end of the show. I don't know. I'm I'm going to watch it probably tomorrow. But um, that, that, that was what I had heard, yes. Cool. Yeah. So that ought to be good because, um, I mean, that, that, that match made a lot of money for them, I think, as far as, like, turning people onto the product. Um, and so, honestly, yeah. that first match was just amazing. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, let's uh, let's finish this up here. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're presented by TheBrandedStore.com. Please tweet us. Please follow us. Please like us. All those good things. But for Mr. Eric Clancy and Mr. Patrick Kelly, we are signing off.